And the big idea for this entire series is this. Don't forfeit your future by not putting your faith in God. Don't forfeit your future by not putting your faith in God. And, and really, in reality, this is what we see in this entire uh, narrative that we find in the book of Numbers. And in, in Numbers chapter 13, we see that God has led his people out of uh, Egypt. Uh, we're coming out of the book of Exodus, and now he's preparing his people. He's setting them up for a win. He's setting them up for a victory. He's going to show himself strong in a way that has never been done before. And in Numbers chapter 13, the Bible says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord and all of the men who were the heads of the people of Israel. Now let's skip down uh, to verse number 26 or 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. Verse 26, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel uh, in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, and they brought back word to them and to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. Now, if you go back a few verses, the Bible says that the fruit was so big, it took two dudes to carry it out. That's some crazy stuff, right? Whoever says the Bible's not interesting, you know, that's just mind-blowing right there. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us, and it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Now, you don't, probably don't know who the Anak are. It's not people from Star Wars, right? But they were very, 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 very large people, right? Like, they were big, very tall. Uh, maybe Goliath uh, came from the children of Anak. And Goliath was nine, uh, nine feet six tall, right? So we noticed that the children of Anak are there. Then the Amalekites dwell in the, bland, in the land of Negeb, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea all along, uh, all along the Jordan. Now, basically what they're saying is, hey, the land is great, but you know, our enemies are here, and 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 our enemies are here. We can't do this. This is too great a task for us to accomplish. Caleb, I love Caleb. Caleb quieted the people. He's like, you guys need to chill out. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought uh, to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone to spy out, it is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw uh, Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim, and we seem to ourselves, listen to this, like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. The Father in heaven, I just pray that you'd give me a word this morning. And Lord, I pray that it would be a very clear word, Um, I don't want to waste time this morning. Uh, I know that uh, we've shared a lot today, but I just pray that our hearts might be open and receptive to the Spirit of God. 
Lord, I believe that if we will step out by faith and claim the very promises that we find in the Word of God, that you will bless us. That our faith will grow. The kingdom will grow. And lives will be touched in a way that we never even knew was a reality. And God, I just pray this morning that we would allow the Word of God to speak to our hearts. It's a sufficient Word. It's a preserved Word. And oh, it is a living Word. And I pray, God, that our hearts would be stirred and molded and shaped and that our faith would expand because we're putting it in you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what we find in the Word of God in Numbers chapter 13 is this. God has always had a plan for His people. Always. God's had a plan for his children, he has a plan for the church, he has a plan for you, and he's got a plan for us. And he often has led them on a journey. He's often led his people on a journey that would stretch their faith and a mission that would require obedience. And so God ultimately is trying to, if you will, get us to a place of faith. Now, what that means is God is attempting to... God desires to lead you and me to a moment, to a space where we have to trust Him. And that's exactly what's happening in this passage of Scripture. So moving forward in obedience to God and His call on your life, on my life, on our calling as a church requires faith. Sometimes when we have to obey God, guess what? It just doesn't make sense. But yet, God calls us to that place of faith. So our thought this morning is this. Moving forward in faith requires an unwavering commitment to obey God. Moving forward in faith requires an unwavering commitment to obey God. So even though I don't know the result, even though I, know, I don't know how the outcome is going to be, Um, I don't know if people are going to like me. I don't know if I'm going to be received. I don't even know if I'm going to win or there's going to be a victory. All I know is this. I have an an unwavering commitment to obey my God. And so, Scripture is very clear that God rewards the faith of His people. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith it's impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists, and He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Now, friends, I want to share with you, as Mike stated this morning, we are in a season of ministry that seems a little bit daunting. And what I mean by that is we're running out of space. And what is happening is, is for you and me, it's time for us to move. It's time for us to make a decision. Are we really going to believe God for the future? And I know like several years ago, um, God called my wife and I to come to Green Garden, and we planted a church in 2007, and we were way in over our heads, and God blessed, and God provided uh, the, the, uh, the means for us to build this facility. This morning, I was talking to Mike and John, and um, back in 2012, God called them to go to uh, First Baptist in Manhattan, which is now Jackson Creek, and we, um, uh, John, I was talking to him this morning, uh, John, did you know that John never led worship up until 2012? Like he filled, and he's not bad, amen? Can I get amen on that today? He does a good job. Well, that's kind of half-hearted. John, let's work on that next week. He'd never done that before, you know? I mean, uh, Mike had never revitalized the church before he'd planted. And, and, and those of you that know anything about church planting and church uh, revitalization, uh, it's like, it's like um, if you've seen that meme, I wish I had it today, uh, it's Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers. Have you seen that movie? So your first year, you're like Mr. Rogers, and you're like, welcome to the neighborhood, and everything is good, right? 
The following year, it's your one-year anniversary. It's like castaway. You're talking to a volleyball because that's the only friend you got left. You can get that image in your mind. And so we all have this, this story, but what's incredible is, is how God merged that story together and, and brought our journey together so that we could be aligned to do something greater and significant and eternal and transcendent for the sake of God's name and not mine or Mike's or John's or any one family, but so that we could all come together for the faith of the gospel, striving side by side so that God could be known here and around the world. So it's time to move. It's time to walk by faith and not by sight. And I want to tell you, just like in this passage, it's going to take our church. It's going to take this. It's going to take every one of us unified in faith to succeed. Every one of us. Not just me and not just Mike or John or Clint or Ben or whoever. It's going to take every single one of us this morning united in faith to succeed. And so we assume as pastors, and we say this in the starting point class, if you're here and you're a part of Jackson Creek, we just assume you want to grow spiritually. And so we are. We're going to have shepherding groups, and we're going to, we're going to look at things, and we're going to say, hey, is this person in a group? Is this person, um, are, they, are, are they giving? Are they, are they in a ministry? Um, have they been saved? Have they been baptized? Have they joined? And we're going, to, we're going to look at that, and we're going to, as the Bible says, we're going to love and provoke you unto good works. Because we want you moving forward. Now, like the children of Israel, fear seems rational. But it will cause us to miss out on some of God's very best miracles. We want you to believe that God can use you to make a difference this year. Do you know that? God can use you to make a difference this year. And I'm telling you, I mean, nothing, nothing gets me more excited when I see God's people using their gifts to expand the kingdom of God. Man, that's some good stuff right there. As a pastor, as one of our pastors, to be able to see you use your gifting. And there's some I'm looking around the room right now, and I'm amazed at how God is calling you up and sending you out. There's a couple ladies that are starting a, uh, um, um, a ministry to the high school this year where we can meet needs, not just once a year, but all year long. Uh, we started a clothing pantry this year. Someone's like, hey, can we... We don't have enough space to cover the clothes that we've got already, right? I mean, it's amazing what God is doing, but God can use you individually to make a difference this year. And so our vision for this year is this, reaching those who've been forgotten and those far from God. And this is an opportunity for you and me to obey God. It's an opportunity to provide a brighter future for someone without hope. It's an opportunity to see your faith grow and impact the lives of others who are lost. And so I ask you the question this morning, Are you ready to move forward? Are you ready? Are you ready to do that? Now let's think about those whose lives have been radically impacted by the obedience of God's grace. I think about this, and I want you to see this visual illustration. And I know I've used it before, but I want to do it again because it makes a difference. Your willingness to obey God and follow through on being a disciple that shares the good news of the gospel, it really means something. And so this morning, uh, last year, Gina invited Trish Care to come to church, and Trish came to church, and Trish heard the gospel, and guess what happened? She got saved. And then Trish brought her friend Jenny, who was here last week. She's probably not here today because she's got a newborn. But then Jenny comes to church, and she hears the gospel, and guess what happens? 
Guess what? Craig drove by our church, and his wife said to him, hey, we should check out that church out on Center Road. He comes to church and sits in the starting point class, and I'm sharing the gospel in that class, and then Mike preaches, and then what happens? He gets saved. Hey, listen, there are lives all over this room that I could go on and on about today that have been touched by the preaching and the ministry of the gospel, but this isn't a one-man show. It's a team effort where we all work together so that others can know who Jesus is. I think about the food pantry. You know our food pantry fed almost 3,700 people this year? Come on, come on. Our students have been impacted. Finances have been given. And man, if we're ever going to see the kind of harvest that transform a community, we must move forward in faith with an unwavering commitment to God. But the Bible teaches us this, that fear will hijack our faith and ruin our future. The Bible teaches us that fear will hijack our faith and ruin our future. And we find that in the story today. Because God's people were delivered from Egypt, and now they're ready to move forward. And what we see in this text, and I'm going to move along quick, so I'll talk fast and you listen fast. And all of God's people said, all right, we'll get there. First of all, you see in the first few verses a unified calling. In our text, we see that God called 12 men to go out and give a report. He told them to have courage in verse number 20. This isn't anything new. This is what God does. He builds us up, and then he sends us out. God did this with Abraham. He did it with Moses, David, Peter, the disciples. He's always getting his people to a place of faith to send them out to make his name known among the nations. And we're called, you and me, listen. What are we if we are not a church called to introduce people to Jesus Christ? What are we? Because the Moose Lodge can just gather and hang out once a week. You know, the Rotary Club, the VA, you know, all those different organizations, they do good things. But if we're not fulfilling our mission, which is to point people to the gospel, we are not doing what we've been called to do. So we, have a, we as a church, we have a unified calling. We're called to go into all the world. Yes, all the world. We are called to do that. We are called to send. We're called to go. We're called to give. We're called to make sure that every tribe and every tongue and every nation hears and knows about Jesus Christ. In John 20, 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you as the Father sent me. Guess what? So I'm sending you. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, he told the disciples, His last words, his last words, when you think about it, his last words were very important words. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Ed Stetzer says it this way, for far too long we've made it acceptable to sit in church week after week and do nothing and yet still call yourself a Christian. Listen, Mike said it today, and he hit the nail on the head. Listen, evangelism is discipleship. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are concerned about the lostness of men. You're concerned about the lostness of women and children and students and young people. You want people to know about Jesus Christ. This morning, the the worship team led us in that song, Open Up the Heavens. Listen. If you want to see the Holy Spirit opened up and poured out on the... Who can give me a witness on that today? Who would like to see that today? Amen? Come on. Amen? Amen. 
making sure you're awake. If I get more amens, I might get done a little quicker. Maybe not. How many of you just love, how many of you just love to see this building filled with people that didn't know Jesus Christ a year from now? Amen? Listen, in the book of Acts, every time you see the Holy Spirit showing up, you know what's happening? People are boldly sharing the gospel. Every time. That means we're praying about the lost. That means we're inviting our friends to come. That means we recognize that we come in here every week and we build you up and then guess what? We send you out. We're here to equip you for the work of the ministry. Jesus' vision for the church was not to hang out once a week. That's not, that's not what Jesus established the church for. We're here to push back the lostness of this world. And we do that right here. And we're doing it in Monet and Piatone and Frankfurt and, and, and in Manhattan. We want others to know about Jesus Christ. The moment you were saved, I've said this before and I want to say it again, you were simultaneously called into the mission of God. And our success is not in getting bigger or building bigger buildings, but our success is in building lives. And our goal as pastors is to make sure that your faith is built up and that you're moving forward in God's calling on your life. As Setzer said this, and this is a great quote, the church is one of the few organizations in the world that doesn't exist for the benefits of the members. And I'm so tired, and I'm just, give me a moment here, I'm tired of people leaving the church because, oh, my needs aren't met, or I didn't like this, or I didn't like that, or, listen, we are not a consumer, we got visitors here today, we are not a consumer-driven church. We are a church of those who are committed to the mission of Jesus Christ. Parents, if you want an awesome student ministry for your kids, bring your kids to growth group on Sunday night at 6 p.m. Clint spends a a ton of hours every week pouring into and preparing and planning to make sure that your kids know and love and have a desire one day to follow Jesus. Every week he does that. You want us to have an awesome junior high ministry? Bring your kids on Sunday morning uh, for the, the Bible study that we have for them. I mean, this is a team effort and we can plan and program and we can do everything that we want but it requires obedience and the faithfulness of God's people working together so that we can pass our faith on to the next generation it's a unified calling then you see this unbelieving congregation and you see this is in verses 13 through 25 all the way through chapter 14 and I read most of that but when the men returned they each gave a report of what they saw 10 out of the 12 men believed that the task was too great and that God was too small. You see, the spies were more concerned about failure and not faith in God. They allowed their fear of their enemies to destroy their faith, and they, uh, they were not able to move forward. So instead of trusting God and obeying God, they turned the hearts of the people instead of pointing them back to the faithfulness of God. They chose not to believe the promise and the power of God who called them and had delivered them out of Egypt. Now, this is fascinating to me. I can't wait to get to heaven and sit and chill with Moses for a little bit, right? I mean, it's fascinating to me. Because to me, all the miracles that they had experienced up to this point, I mean, they saw some crazy stuff, man. I mean, they were in Egypt when the plagues rolled out, you know, the locusts, the Nile turned to blood, all the, all the livestock dying except for theirs. They were there that night. When the firstborn of every family was taken, whose uh, blood was not sprinkled over the doorpost, and the death angel came and took every child, they were there 
when Egypt was in pursuit, Pharaoh was in pursuit of them, and Moses stuck his rod into the Red Sea, and they walked through the Red Sea on dry what? Dry land. I mean, can you imagine? Parting the Red Sea, there's water on this side, water on this side. I bet you, I'm going to ask Moses about it, I bet you there was a fish trying to get out. I'd have been like, take that for later, you know? Some crazy stuff. They were, they were, uh, they were at a place where they had no water, and, and Moses struck a rock, and guess what came out? Water. They were hungry, and God gave them, and he gave them, gave them quail, because they complained that they had no meat. And over and over and over and over again, God provided exactly what they needed, when they needed it, and they still lacked faith in God. And I want to tell you this morning, we all have a tendency to look at our present situation rather than God's faithfulness. And I'm going to tell you, if you are tempted to look at your present situation rather than the past faithfulness of God, you will not move forward this year. Then we see an unwavering conviction. In verses four, chapter 14, look at that with me real quick because we didn't read that. The Bible says Joshua, the son of Nun, in verse 6, and Caleb, the, the son of Jephunneh, I didn't take Hebrew, but that's close enough. I'm from the south. Who were among those who spied out the land and tore their clothes. And they said to the congregation, um, they said to the congregation of all the people of Israel, the land which passed through to spy it out, it is an exceeding good land. And listen to what they say. If the Lord, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us to this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Look at what he says. Do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. I'm going to tell you, we need some godly like men and women who are going to stand up with some conviction if we're going to move forward in faith this year as a church. You see in this passage of Scripture, instead of cowering to the ten or even to the congregation, Joshua and Caleb stood up in the midst believing God's word, believing God's promises. In verse 9, it says, the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. God can cause, God can use, if you will, one man, one woman who has an unwavering commitment to follow where he guides and that person who obeys his command. Now, are you that person? Are you the person with an unwavering conviction in God? Tim Keller says this, it's not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. And some of you this morning are like, man, my faith ain't that big. My faith uh, isn't that grand. I have a little faith. It doesn't matter what kind of faith you have. Your faith in all reality is a gift from God anyways. Just take the faith you have and put it in the one who can deliver. Put it in God. And so we're called to trust God when it seems like we might be devoured or when we may not succeed. Success in the kingdom, listen, write this down. Success in the kingdom is obedience to him. That's success. It's not the win. It's not the victory. It's obedience and trust in him. Christine Hoover said this, our success is not in doing something great or in being something great, but in believing in someone great and following where he leads. Now listen, are you willing to move forward in your faith and follow where God leads you this year? So confidence in God is a conviction that he will keep his promises. Do you have that type of conviction today? Because if you do, your faith will move forward. And then we see an unfortunate consequence. Now listen, I don't have time to go through the whole story and read the passages 22 through 24. 
But here's what happens. They go out, they spy out the land. They come back and they're like, hey, we can't do this. Joshua and Caleb, they, they, they tear their clothes. I mean, they're freaking out. They're just like, look, God said we can do this. God called us to do this. God wants us to do this. And the Bible says that the people just say, look, we're going back to Egypt. We want someone else to lead us other than Moses. And listen to what happens. God says to them, you you will not enter the promised land. You will not receive my blessing. You will not be recipients of the promise that I made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And you will not be recipients of my goodness and my faithfulness. And so they've already been in the wilderness for two years. So for the next 38 years, You will wander around this wilderness. That will be the consequences. You won't go in, but your children will go in. You know why I brought that up about my daughter today? Because I don't want my lack of faith to impact the next generation. She may or may not even ever be able to be a recipient of the facilities that we build or the opportunities that we have but to see the joy on her face that there is a church here in Green Garden that is willing to step out in faith and obey God and trust Him no matter what the outcome is, that should fire up our souls. That should give us something to live for more than just the nine to five. The consequences of their unbelief. Could you imagine being one of the kids, the teenagers, the young people, anyone under 20? Gee, Dad, thanks. Now we've got to walk around for 40 years in a a holding pattern just because you wouldn't believe God. You guys with me? Why don't you die already? We need to get in. Like you're holding it up. We're going to learn next week, you know, they were only like 200 miles from the promised land. So for 40 years, man, they just wandered around and did nothing. And maybe that's how you're wired But I'm going to tell you, I'm not wired that way. I don't want to be a wallflower. I want to be a part of what God is doing. Rebellion against God will always lead to regret. They missed out on being a part of something special because of unbelief. And our challenge to you this year is not to let fear destroy you um, uh, or your faith uh, for God's calling on your life and His calling on our church. We need everyone moving forward. It goes back to what we've said earlier. Don't forfeit your future by not putting your faith in God. God is calling you. He's calling me. He's calling us to move forward in the direction that he has led us. And this is the last one. This is it. And I'm done. We're going to have prayer, right? Unlimited capabilities, right? We're going to study over the next several weeks what God, don't, don't close your Bibles yet. We're going to study over the next several weeks what God is capable of doing when his people follow him by faith on the journey that he has for them, right? We're going to learn that. God has unlimited power to do his will through his people and follow him. So we want to encourage you to consider where you fall into all this. Now listen, Mike shared some incredible opportunities today. Are you in a group? Like, are you, are you plugged in? Do you, do you calendar your, your schedule around the church to be a part of what God is doing? Do you look for opportunities to tell people? Where do you fall into all of this? Some of you can be indifferent. Others can be, well, I'm just too busy. Others can be disobedient. But our prayer is that God would touch your heart with purpose. You know, there's families that got divorces this year. We've got kids coming to our church. Their parents don't even come here anymore. But they just love this place. They love our youth pastor and his wife. Uh, they love this ministry. They love 
uh, the music. They, they, they love what's going on here. They feel loved. They feel received here. Listen, we're a part of something good. We're a part of something supernatural. We're a part of God's calling. It's going to take every one of us being obedient to the gospel call on our life to fulfill what God wants us to do as a church. And so we're praying that God might give you eyes to see how he might use your life and the gifts that you have been given to help Jackson Creek become a church that transforms an entire community. And we recognize not everyone's going to get on the platform and preach a sermon. Not everyone's going to get up here and play the guitar and sing like John and Jenna and Tyler and these other guys. Norm, you know, Norm's back here. Who would imagine? Are you guys with me? Who would imagine? Uh, Norm, you look like you're in your 30s, so I'm going to use you as an example. But Norm, he's an older fellow just back here kicking it with the electric guitar. You know what I'm saying? And then you got Terry Etner. And I know Terry didn't grow up on any of these songs that we sing. He's probably Victory in Jesus, just as I am. Right, Terry? Terry's over here jamming it out. Open up the heavens. And it's not about a generational thing. It's about a God thing. We want to do what God's called us to do. We want to be obedient to God's calling. And, and, and Norm and Terry and guys like that could just be like, well, that's just not the way we did it when I grew up. Well, that's just not how I would do it. Okay, I get that. But let's set aside our style and our preferences so that more people can know about Jesus Christ. Listen, God is capable to do anything He wants. And He'll reward those who obey His word, trust His promise, and believe that He alone is faithful to us. I don't think there is anything that excites me more, excites us more as a team, than seeing you using your God-given gifts to impact the lives of others. And so I ask you as I close this out this morning, are you surrendered to His will? Are you? Because some of you, you're indifferent. Some of you are disobedient. And some of you are just downright too busy. And something has to change. Maybe for some of you this morning that are indifferent, you need to get a fresh glimpse of the cross of Jesus Christ. Some of you need to renew your commitment to the Lord and say, God, forgive me for being indifferent. Forgive me for being callous. Forgive me for being cavalier towards the mission of God and the reality that there are people in this community that are far from God. People that, do you know that Piatone has a, a homeless contingency? I didn't even know that until this, this, this December. There are people in Piatone, and this is an area that the household median income is eighty dollars to $110,000 a year, and there are people without homes in our community. What an incredible opportunity that we have to introduce them to Jesus Christ because they've been forgotten. And most people don't even know that. And God has given us an open door to walk through for the gospel to be declared to those who are far from God and to those who have been forgotten. Will you be a part of moving forward with us in faith this year as we do what God has called us to do?